Hi, friends. Thank you for listening to the Homes and Havens podcast, a place for conversations about home, healing, hospitality, and recovery. I cannot wait to introduce our guest for this episode, my friend Katie Woodruff. Katie is a kind, beautiful soul who practices as a therapist here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Her sensitivity, compassion, and wisdom is something I deeply appreciate, especially as we engage with charged topics such as trauma and addiction. This is the second episode of our two-part conversation. This episode will cover the hope to be found as we survive trauma or addiction and what exactly happens when therapy works. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy spending time with my friend Katie. In light of kind of what we've talked about with trauma, with addiction and different things, um, where is the hope to be found? Um, we were talking earlier about like who, None. who <laughs> yeah. has, you know, doesn't have trauma. Who doesn't right. have like it feels like every person you pass. Um, and I know probably every person I've ever had the have the privilege of sitting across from and listening to just a mm-hmm. tidbit of their story and picking up on various either just overt or complex traumas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it can seem overwhelming that does anybody escape? And so now that we know mm-hmm. we have this condition, mm-hmm. now that we know we have this diagnosis on ourselves, it's not a label that's trapping, but it's really kind of showing us what box we're in. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could speak a little bit about the process of getting out of that box or starting a journey. Yeah. Um, Cause it isn't um, a quick fix by any stretch of the imagination. I right. think that's what, our culture would love is just, just give me a pill to make this better. Yeah. 30 day rehab. Exactly. Um, but like what resources are available and what does that journey look like? Yeah. Yeah. So on the flip side of the body and brain adjusting to toxic stress by going into survival mode, I mean, your what your body's doing is keeping you alive, right? You're What's exciting is that once you take away the toxic stress, um, your brain will adjust to healthy situations. It will start to realize. And, you know, this time, I would never put a time limit on that. Right. Um, It could take a frustratingly long time or it could be like a week. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the, I would say, and that's called neuroplasticity, is that our brains are moldable and they form new neural pathways Mm. based on new things that we do and they really respond best to connection and safety Mm. so you know um resources for individual or group therapy Mm. um and then safe housing are pretty important so some people can afford these things Mm -hmm. and they should do them and then some people can't. And then that's really a, res- a community responsibility. Mm-hmm. Now that we know they exactly. can't just pull themselves up by their bootstraps, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really, someone else really has to come in and give help. Mm. Um, so having commu- supporting community agencies that do uh, housing, food, clothing, counseling, you know, work, um, like workforce development, employment Mm. skills, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty vital because we kind of established that one person on their own in a vacuum is not going to turn the tide most likely. 
Um, so like, kind of like you mentioned earlier, compassion mm-hmm. with information. We know this now, if we've listened to the podcast now, you know. Right. And it it really does lead to a compassion that's it's really important. It's a mm-hmm. wonderful place to start. But our brains can get the things that they need and start building up those parts of the brain that have either gone offline or have not developed like a healthy adults mm-hmm. have. But even in therapy, there are specific interventions of someone saying things like, um, you know, if someone is feeling um, like having flashbacks per se or emotional flashbacks, mm. um, there is specific interventions like grounding where you help that person orient to the present. Um, and then also um, just the emotional safety that comes from a safe relationship. And, you know, I mentioned therapy a lot because a lot of people, if they already had this for free in their families, they probably wouldn't be in the situation. So right. it might just need to be a first step with mm-hmm. the goal, not being to stay in therapy forever, but right. to, be able to then make those healthy attachments mm-hmm. with other folks. Yeah. So there is a lot of, there's definitely hope for change. Mm-hmm. Scientifically, people can change. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and they need help doing so. Mm-hmm. So you can't force change on anyone, but if they're willing to accept what you have to offer and what you have to offer is effective. Right. Probably a good chance they'll change. Mm-hmm. I love just, and that's kind of the conclusions I'd come to as well when I started researching it mm-hmm. was connection and safety yeah. is really um, critical in repairing what's been broken or damaged by trauma or addiction mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. um, you're suffering from. And yep. um, groups, therapy, um, having safe relationships, safe home environments. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, all of those things are so critical to the repair and things that inherently everyone deserves. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And, but it's hard when you have never tasted of yep. a safe home environment or you've never had the ability to have an appropriate relationship with an adult that right. is a healthy connection. Right. Um, it's hard um, to even visualize what that would look like or the effects of that mm-hmm. until you start walking the that new path, like you said, of repairing those connections in your brain yeah. of you're not going to get in a better place doing what you have been doing. Right. And so making subtle um, course corrections, you know, to yeah. that journey and saying, I'm going to try something else. I'm going right. to try um, to have a healthy, appropriate relationship with my counselor, with my therapist and help even having someone identify, help you identify what is appropriate and inappropriate, Mm -hmm. um, what is safe and what is unsafe. Because I know there are times that I thought, even in my own story, that I was safe Mm -hmm. um, and I was not. Yeah, you just don't know. Yeah, until you have someone walk alongside or even in most cases, it was after I got out of Mm -hmm. that unsafe environment that I realized how under stress I was yes. because I was in an unhealthy, unsafe environment. Yes. And the lack of, it was like my growth stunted yes. in those seasons. I I felt like I kept spinning around the same issues, feeling the same realm of emotions mm-hmm. that were depression, anxiety, yes. depression, anxiety. And mm-hmm. um, it was only until 
um, something shifted or, or I was forced mm-hmm. out of, you know, certain environments that I realized the damage that had been done and I had actually been stunted in a lot of growth. Yeah. Um, that took me a lot of work to repair that damage yeah. and actually start, like you said, viewing myself as a whole person right. and not necessarily based on my performance or my ability to um, reciprocate um, things that um, weren't appropriate and different right. things. And so you kind of have to just like relearn even the basics of taking care of yourself because they're so neglected in, in, you know, these experiences that you don't realize that there's going to be joy in preparing your lunch the day before. Right. (laughs) Setting out your, I mean, just like different routines Mm -hmm. that seem, um, boring. Right. And like useless because you never really had it. You never really experienced how nice it was to Mm -hmm. be prepared. You know, it's not as exciting as like being high or something. You're not feeling intense pleasure Uh or something like that. Right. So it's, yeah, it's like, you don't even know what you don't even know. Right. You have no idea. Like with the weather change recently, it was, it's been dark and gloomy for so long. And then the sun came out and it was warm. And I, I know the weather affects mood, but I didn't even realize how, much lighter I felt when it was sunny and warm outside exactly and like I'm aware of all this I just kind of just been stewing and yeah you're like why am I so sad and depressed yes yeah yeah. I think we all felt that it's been raining for 40 years it feels (laughs) like around here but yeah um and it is so fascinating I think that's why having other connections outside of you know, the current, even dysfunctional connections that you have. It's like, well, I have friends and I have mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. but sometimes those are actually causing more damage yeah. than you realize Yeah, until you actually can have, I mean, I highly recommend a good counselor or therapist to walk alongside of people if they have access to those resources. Yeah, But groups like we mentioned earlier, you know, AA or ACA groups mm-hmm. um, can really help you listen to other people's experiences and per, and perceptions. Right. And even they may be three or four steps ahead of you on um, just this journey of self-awareness of like, wait, what I thought was healthy, what isn't healthy. Yeah. And it, in the beginning, it can feel so disorienting mm-hmm. because everything that you thought you knew in a sense was wrong. Yeah. And you're having to, again, even sometimes like for me as a 30 year old Mm -hmm. rebuilding um, a foundation, Mm -hmm. you know, of what is healthy, what is appropriate. um, What is a healthy view of myself? What is a healthy view of others? Right. Um, That process and that journey can feel like tearing down a house completely demolishing it and then rebuilding something else. And it's the same lot in a sense, it's the same location, but everything is different in a sense. And it can feel a little overwhelming unless you have a circle around you that is nodding and saying me too. Yes. That's huge. That like that validation Mm -hmm. and empowerment that comes from someone saying that's really not the way it's supposed to be right like what what you've experienced is um 
that's not what our body responds best to. That's like right. even just developing as a human, a child to an adult, to, mm-hmm. you know, like um, someone being able to tell you and point those things out mm-hmm. because really in trauma, you're working hard to adjust all the normal impulses and desires mm-hmm. to an unhealthy impulse and desire. You know, you're trying to adjust your like, Oh, I guess I just need too much attention. I guess that's the problem is like, I'm too needy or I'm, I'm just too weak or I'm too emotional. But really what you're, what you're doing in trauma is trying to suppress all the the good things. So Mm -hmm. when you're coming out of it, it almost feels wrong to uh, feel things Mm -hmm. and ask for help for things or I don't know, like change, change. Yeah. Yeah. That feels wrong. That Uh feels bad. Actually, it doesn't always feel like health. Right. It feels like you're breaking a lot of rules. Exactly. Yeah. And unless you have people who are next to you saying this is normal. Yes. Like, and it's okay that you feel that way. It's yes. okay that this is all a little triggering or or exhausting mm-hmm. or um, disorienting. It's okay. Yes. Like these are, you are going to get to a better place and you are going to feel things return like yeah. joy and yeah. happiness and, um, wholeness and, yeah. and all of those things can be, um, brought back into your life. Yeah. But sometimes it's a little bit of a rocky journey to get there in a way that feel it's kind of like exercising. Uh-huh. I mean, it is, Whenever you start, you're like, my body's dying mm-hmm. and this hurts so bad. Yeah. It's like my body doesn't want me to do this. Right. I'm confused. Doesn't want, yeah. This yeah. is obviously having consequences that uh-huh. I do not want. Uh-huh. But if you keep coming back and yeah. you keep doing it, even yeah. though it's it's difficult and painful. Yeah you will get results right. that make you stronger yes. and more equipped to help and serve and care for yourself and care for others. And right. um, it's just such a beautiful picture um, of wholeness in it, but it's worth it. Right. And I think as with exercise um, or any way you're trying to heal from trauma, like maybe you found meditation or mm-hmm. walking or I don't know, whatever, like, the proof is just pretty much in the pudding. So if something is not working for you, by all means, don't keep doing it. Right. If you're lifting like, I don't know, a, a thousand pounds every day mm-hmm. and you're just damaging your body. Right. But, you know, we can parse out what works for us and what doesn't by doing it for a set amount of time. Like with exercise, mm-hmm. you start some light exercise, most likely at some point you'll get those endorphins that feels good. And that mm-hmm. tells you because there is an inherent it might be buried deep in there, but there's an inherent system in you that tells you what you need. Right. And what you like even. Uh-huh. So if you get that kind of rush of pleasure, mm-hmm. um, you know, without and it's not a behavior that has horrible consequences right. or something. Um, and you can look back on it a week and say, oh, that still feels good. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the memory of that is mm-hmm. good. Like you can find out what mm-hmm. what works for you and your body will tell you. Yeah. But a lot of times we don't, we've been taught to not trust our bodies and our Mm. brains in telling us what works. You know, we've Mm -hmm. been um, in these relationships either beaten down by certain things Mm -hmm. or 
not given the opportunity to explore enough. Right. Um, that we, a real sense of mistrust for what we even like or our gut reaction. Like that's just pretty prevalent. But uh-huh. once you start doing these different things, you will know what works and what doesn't work. Right. Yeah. And I think even coming from, I have a, a Christian religious background mm-hmm. of, there's a lot of, um, discussion on you should not trust your emotions or your feelings because they're inherently sinful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so for a lot of those things, for me, it was learning to distinguish between one, there are times that my emotions want things or feel things that are not true. Mm -hmm, And I'm, you know, I'm learning the discernment of what is, but there's a difference in sitting next to someone or even thinking back on childhood memories and feeling uncomfortable yeah. with someone or what they were doing or saying to me. Yes. And because of that religious background of saying, uh-huh. I don't want anything to do with this person. They're making me uncomfortable, but I can't trust my emotions because they're bad. Yes. And yes. there's a difference in saying like, I'm just want to go eat all the ice cream in the world because I feel like it. Right, 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 right. Then your body's initial instincts that that I believe God put in us yeah. as a designer of like, we know when we're in danger. Yes. We know when something's not safe. Yes. And to trust yeah. our body and, and be curious about why am I feeling this way and like putting words and talking in safe circles about that experience. Right. Instead of, you know, just pushing all emotions are bad, all impulses are bad. You know, it, that's just like really compromising the beautiful work that our bodies are. Yeah. And it's dangerous. Oh, so it's dangerous. really dangerous. And I, yeah, I think with um, certain types of religion, I have told, I've seen that exact same as you where um, the body is bad. Uh-huh. The, the emotions are bad and sinful. And I think that's more a result of cultural influence than probably what was originally intended. Exactly. Because like you said, you know, you're in danger if you feel your alarm go off Mm -hmm. as in something scary and then you just stay and you don't protect yourself in any way. Exactly. It's really, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's also an aspect of religious trauma too that a lot of people, especially, well, I don't want to say especially in the South, but I've seen, I lived in the South. So Right, same here. (laughs) Yeah. I see it so often. Yeah. This just pretty warped view of um being good or bad Mm -hmm. and you know when we go back to the the categories of complex ptsd there's the first one was the um feeling inherently flawed or broken and i think with a christian religion Mm -hmm. um there really has to be some some uh attention to nuance between Mm -hmm. like a theological belief and then a day-to-day feeling um flawed and broken right you know yeah it it can can get hairy yeah and I think um for me especially navigating that Mm -hmm. shame has been Mm -hmm. a guidepost for me yeah um that I continue to explore and I think I've had to get the courage to explore shame a little Mm -hmm. bit in myself I'm starting to notice when I feel it quicker than I did before because there would be some instances where there was a conversation or an interaction that I walked away feeling shame. Yeah. Um, whether they made me feel that way or that was something that was triggered in me that I felt shame. Right. And I would just sit on it 
and avoid it for days, yeah. you know, and just kind of like, oh my gosh, just trying to do everything I could to kind of shrink that off. Yeah, yeah. Instead, um, realizing that one, as a believer, that is not from God and mm-hmm. God does not speak in tones of shame. Mm-hmm. And um, if anyone is making me feel shame, that it is not coming from a healthy place yeah. and that's not something I should trust. Yeah. And so even, you know, close friends, relatives, trusted loved ones, there are moments when even out of stress or a response that they are like, well, why would you or and and kind of dump shame on me to to motivate me to do something that they wanted me to do or feel something that they wanted me to feel. Yeah. And um but really sitting in that for a second and being curious about why, why am I feeling shame? Mm-hmm. Like, let me break down whatever was spoken over me or mm-hmm. what I felt and in, inherently thought, yeah. you know, after that interaction and saying shame is never a good motivator. Right. It it leads to more trauma. Yeah. It leads to more brokenness and right. it leads to not treating our bodies and our minds in the way they deserve. Right. And, yeah. And, and so I think that's been a big help for me is just kind of navigating that whole shame road of like, I can hear it now being spoken over others mm-hmm. and I'm aware of um, the damage that that has. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Brene Brown always talks about the difference between shame and guilt. I think it's a great theory to be able to parse out like shame is not helpful. Mm-mm. It's just, it's that toxic stress. It's Mm-mm. toxic. It is so toxic. Whereas guilt can be a motivator. So if I eat a whole tub of ice cream <laughs> and I feel shame, I'll probably just eat more ice cream. Yeah. But if I start to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty, like my stomach hurts uh-huh. and I'm like, I'm lethargic. Like that can be the, the guilt mm-hmm. motivator. So I make a healthy choice mm-hmm. next time, you know? So guilt's, Guilt's mm-hmm. are really healthy. Right. And it has its place. Helpful. Yeah. Uh-huh. Kind of like, um, I, what is that? Is it Inside Out, that cartoon? Yes. With the emotions. I don't know if guilt's one of them, but I, it, it should be because I think disgust is one of mm-hmm. them. Um, but yeah, seeing emotions as useful and helpful and, you know, like depending on your perspective, a God-given thing, um, there's no shame in that. Yeah. There's no room for shame in that. And sometimes it it is helpful to have someone sitting next to you to help you navigate that. Yes. Because there yes. were so many times that I felt shame and I didn't even know I was ashamed. Yeah. I just thought, oh, well, I feel called to do this or help this or perform or, or whatever. And I just thought this was such a natural aspect of my personality. Mm-hmm. And it took, you know, wise, caring, discerning people sitting next to me saying, why are you why are you doing that? Yeah. Like, why, why do you feel shame over those things? And is that even your responsibility? Yeah. And having those moments of clarity Mm -hmm. that they brought into my life helped me start it. And I love that. um, One of my dear friends and mentors, she has encouraged me to treat emotions as um, not something that you're out of control of, but like they show up kind of like they walk in your front door mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, anger is here. Yeah. I'm not going to deal with you right now, but can you sit until I can? And then I don't want you here or you're helpful here. Yeah. And it's not so tangled into who you are, but like you have options and choices. Right. Um, and it's not something that is necessarily like they 
are in your house and they will never go out. Right. No matter how hard you check. Yeah. And try. that's, that's yeah. really building up the prefrontal cortex when you're able to discern, even like to take a step back mentally, physically, whatever right. that looks like. Maybe it's just shutting your eyes for mm-hmm. a second and filtering through the thoughts and the feelings that you're having. Like that practice makes your PFC stronger right. and better able. So, and the point of that is not to be now, you know, to, the point is not to go towards, I think people thinking rationally is like a big, like be rational about this. But, yeah. But the, the point is to incorporate the emotion, like you said, and to figure out why it's there and what information it's giving you mm-hmm. and how that affects the next step that you make. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like being on a team, you know, even as our team has grown at Homes and Havens, we all can walk in for a consultation for a client, all three of us, uh-huh. and have completely different responses. Yeah. But I, when we all come back to the office, I'm gathering information. What, what were you feeling? What did you see? What did you witness? And it's taking those things into account mm-hmm. that helps me be better prepared, yeah. you know, and better serve our client on what did you notice or what did you feel or what, you know, those kind of things instead of treating it as like, I'm not even going to consider. Yeah. Like, I think there's so many spectrum is all emotions are bad. I'm not considering anything that I felt Mm -hmm. or we're just like led by every single one. Yes. Yes. And both ways would be unhealthy. Right. Like there's, I think we talk about like having out of control emotions, but there's also the flip side where all emotions are stuck inside your body mm-hmm. and no one knows at all. I mean, this was the thing for me and uh, a lot of my life is getting the feedback of, man, we just really thought you were okay. Like mm-hmm. we just had no idea that mm-hmm. that was going on. And, and and meanwhile, in my mind and body is like this battle and this, mm-hmm. this raging. Battle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So both sides of the spectrum, whether <laughs> someone is out of control or just completely inhibited, um, then that's why it's pretty tricky to, to identify because mm-hmm. I would assume that the inhibited one also breeds a lot of shame because mm-hmm. you're really just doing it on your own. Yeah. It's just the it's round and round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with no one to really step in and stop yeah, you. Stop the merry-go-round yeah. and be like, get off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> here, let me help you off. Yeah. yeah. Here, yeah. Are you seasick yet? Yeah. Let's not, <laughs> yeah. let's not do this again. Yeah. But, and that's why connection and community is so important. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think it's huge in recovery, mm-hmm. no matter what we're recovering from. Mm-hmm. Um, connection and community and, you know, all of those things that are safe, that safe environment is so important. Right. Um, and that's what that hope is, too, is that inside that person mm-hmm. in whatever recovery um the that person as a person you know we talk about like the brain systems and the body systems but you know they're a soul too there's mm-hmm. something higher than um just the nerve endings right. firing together That's so true you know so it's like that that whole person buried deep or close to the surface does have an inherent ability to notice what is good mm-hmm. and to, and to grow towards that. Like I have plants that I've had to move because they're like 
they're not getting enough sunshine, so they're growing sideways. Right. And they look funky. But then I put them, <laughs> like, that's not cute. Uh-huh. And then I put them in sunlight, and then they're just going straight up, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this situation where any anything, I mean, to use more plant metaphors, like, mm-hmm. If you got a, if you got the same pack of seeds mm-hmm. and then you put one in the environment that it needs, you give it um, moisture mm-hmm. and heat and sunlight and good good dirt, and then the other one you just you know throw out in the cold. Like mm-hmm. they're the same. There's no, that's value neutral. They're the same seed. No one's exactly. gonna say they're good or bad, but one's gonna grow and one's just not. Mm-hmm. But but you can always. Um, dig up those things and put them in the right environment. And for the most part, they will grow. That's what I've noticed. Yeah. Gardening has definitely been one of those things. My house plants have been one of those kind of um, relaxing um, just activities that I like to do um, to recover and to, to get back grounded. And yeah. And there's um, a lot of metaphors there. Oh my gosh. So many metaphors (laughs) of growth and, um, health and all of those things and um which uh, circling back around there was another thought I had um that I'd like to get your perspective on about I feel like on the process or on the journey to recovery mm-hmm. there are going to be moments where it starts working mm-hmm. where therapy starts working yeah and sitting in circles with other people sharing their experience starts working and I think for the first time, you start to experience what your body feels like at rest. Mm-hmm. And that feeling can feel so foreign yeah. and uncomfortable yeah. that it can almost like to me, and I can only speak at my personal experience, chaos felt yes. more comfortable than yes. rested. Absolutely. And I think I don't hear a lot of discussion on that besides Mm. it sitting in some circles, you know, and hearing people's perspective of like, I don't know why I stirred all of that up again. I don't know why I showed up at his front door. I don't know why. And I'm, and I think in us, it's, it's not even that it's kind of like we're operating out of body. We're like, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I Mm -hmm. causing more chaos when I'm trying to recover from all this chaos and yet being when our bodies are actually functioning the way they should yes. and our bodies at a place of rest and health, mm-hmm. or, or at least we're on that trajectory. Yeah. It can feel more uncomfortable yes. than actually, you know, stirring up a bunch of trauma. Right. And, and, uh, and just chaos again. Yes. So yeah. I'd love to hear your perspective on the whole podcast. that. I know <laughs> it really could. Cause now I'm thinking about like, Remember that chapter I sent you about the polyvagal yes. theory? Um, we really could, but I'll just yeah. say what I think of right now. Um, so, yeah, I've I've seen that in myself. Mm-hmm. I definitely hear that from other people. It's definitely um, mind-blowing when someone's doing really well and then... <laughs> They get knocked up by the, oh yeah, <laughs> the, this like horrible person, or, or you know, they yes. just make a really off kilter decision or mm-hmm. something. Um, I think it's such a good point to notice because at that point, you know, you've heard the phrase like relapse is part of recovery, yeah, and that's a a sort of relapse. It's it a is behavioral relapse mm-hmm. because, and here's what here's what I think is happening. Um, 
as the body's trying to find an equilibrium that chaos is generally getting that like sympathetic nervous system activated. So that fight or flight, that on edge, like there's no downtime. You're just always moving and Mm -hmm. going and and experiencing and recovering. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's just if you're thinking about it as like a as a window, you know, you're kind of up on top of this like normal functioning. Yeah. You know, you're riding on adrenaline. Uh-huh. So then when you stop having all that adrenaline, it's the body's kind of confused but bes- between are you at death? <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? Right. Yeah. yeah, like there's no life. It feels like there's no life force. Mm-hmm. There's no stress that's keeping me going. Probably might be really tired and and there's a um so there's a response in animals a lot of times where when they're in danger they'll play dead mm-hmm. and it's functional because then generally a predator goes away and they can get up and shake it off humans don't do that well yeah. they just like <laughs> just don't yeah once you feel like you're dead it, it it's called dorsal vagal it's part of like you you don't feel you feel like there's a burden and a weight on top of you so it's really it's part of a survival mm-hmm. learning experience as i'd say if that's not happening um i'd say it's like a pretty normal and healthy way to happen hopefully the consequences aren't as severe as mm-hmm. getting pregnant although in my population i do see that a lot of times right you know um and there's a new life to contend with but uh-huh. you know hopefully those consequences can be um maybe part of recovery is putting barriers on mm-hmm. those so that they're not truly throw your life into chaos. Right. Yeah. And I but think, I think again, it's just the awareness of mm-hmm. it. I don't think yeah. I even was aware that, <clears throat> you know, when you're doing the hard work and you're sitting in your counselor's office and you're really implementing and putting up appropriate boundaries and really fighting for health, mental health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health. Yeah. Um, it the work pays off yes and you do get to places that feel so at rest mm-hmm. and your boundaries yes. hold up yes. and people start ch- your family systems start changing and morphing whether they don't want anything to do with you for a little while or mm-hmm. or they're they're shifting as well mm-hmm. and and the whole family unit is getting more healthy um I've just noticed in myself and in others that almost rejection of the peace, yes. the rejection of um, just uh, when your body is at rest, yes. when you're actually, and I, and I will agree that my go-to, once the adrenaline ran out uh-huh. or once there were enough sequential days in which there was not an emergency right. that I had to tend to. Right. The fatigue, yes, that you feel because your body is so overworked yeah. and exhausted, yeah, from constantly being hyper vigilant yes. about your surroundings and constantly being, well, when's the other shoe going to drop or totally. what's going to happen next? Totally, I've got to be prepared, right? Once you're like, it's not my responsibility to be on guard for every human that mm-hmm. I interact with, and and you know, various aspects of my life are calming down and things are kind of falling into place. And it can be just, again, it's like a relapse. It's it's exactly what you said. It's, I don't know how to deal with this 
peace. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to deal with a body at rest. And it feels foreign Mm -hmm. and weird. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to go and stir up some trouble (laughs) because that's what feels more comfortable to me. I'm going to go start an argument with my spouse or like call these people that I've clearly had boundaries with appropriate boundaries that have been working, but I'm going to be like, I'm just going to stir the pot, (laughs) create some chaos. And then you're sitting in the aftermath of all of this and you're like, what did I just do? (laughs) Yeah. No, it's wildly confusing. It is so confusing. And then sometimes I feel like people give up. Yeah. Because they're not aware that they actually cause that. Yes. They're like, see, I'll never get out of this. Like it's self-fulfilling. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I'm never going to get out of this dysfunctional relationship or I'm never going to get out of, you know, I'm never going to have appropriate boundaries with people. Yeah. I think unless you have like, you're sitting in a good circle, (laughs) a safe circle for people to be like, oh, sweetie, Um, or a good counselor (laughs) to say, you know, who is the author of all of that chaos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, to kind of, and the humility and just wrestling through the denial. Yeah. I think a lot of times there were moments that I was in complete denial that I had anything to do with it, yeah. but that it was just the outside world coming back in right. and attacking me or assaulting or just whatever. Yeah. And, um, that I had a a role to play, yeah. whether that it was all my fault or whether I just was bored and they this boundary happened to be they were tapping on that boundary again. And I was like, well, you know, let's just Come let on them in. on in here. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and then here we go. Yeah. And I didn't enforce it because I was bored. Yes. I think there's a yes. lot of that. The boredom is big. I would so much rather at times and I'm uh-huh. getting healthier, hopefully. Yeah. But feel the surge of the energy of adrenaline mm-hmm. than I would the fatigue that comes with resting. Yes. And actually feeling how exhausted my body is, yeah. how exhausted my mind is from yeah. racing in the anxiety and the fear. Yeah. Cause it feels like death. It, it feels, feels like, like you're dying. Yeah. And you're like, I've got to wake back up and feel things. Yes. And the only things that we think we can feel are. Fear, anxiety, Mm -hmm. anger, you know, whatever that may be, just the stress of that hypervigilance of being aware. And there's a whole spectrum of emotions that I'm tapping into Mm -hmm. for the first time in a long time of just being at rest, being at peace, being um, in an appropriate headspace Mm -hmm. that is not worried about Things that I have no control or power over, yeah. but I spend so much time fretting and trying to come up with solutions for people totally. that I'm like, this is not even my job. Right. And it's a form of the hypervigilance where like new is scary because you don't know you are expecting the worst. Right. And you don't, you know, to have hope you have to it goes completely yeah. it's completely a different way of thinking and then you open yourself up to that that really big fear of i won't know how to protect myself in the new situation if it all goes down like goes right. up in flames so better the pain that i mm-hmm. know and i know how to handle than the pain that i don't exactly and, and you know those growing pains mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm ever going to make it through having to when you first start to really feel feel fear sadness anger I mean it's really scary no Mm -hmm. wonder you numb for so long or you stay in that adrenaline cortisol like 
those will get you through. Mm-hmm. But you don't know the other side of going through real, sober, present emotions and the the benefit in all aspects of your life mm-hmm. of adjusting to that being a new normal. Because exactly. there are like so many healthy and happy and exciting benefits mm-hmm. in your like uh, relationships. Everything just becomes a lot more normal instead Mm -hmm. of uh, intense pleasure and happiness and adrenaline than to death like Mm -hmm. that that's kind of what happens at the beginning and then it levels out right and I think for me um the worst part about trauma is being the being caught off guard part and literally having to shift everything to feeling my body shut down and those survival coping mechanisms lunge forward. Right. And life and joy and beauty and all of those things having to just kind of vanish for a right. while. Right. And I think in my body, I, that hypervigilance comes from never let yourself be caught off guard. Definitely. But that is not a quality of life. Yeah. Like that is no quality of life. Yeah. Of, Constantly being afraid that, or it's not constantly being afraid. It's it's expecting the yes. worst to happen yes. constantly, and then you'll never be disappointed, and you'll never be disappointed. Yeah. And I used to scoff at people that were just like, <laughs> when I would say, "Well, you're excited about this," and they're like, "Nope, I don't let myself get excited yeah. because I don't like being disappointed." Absolutely. And that is a, a real legit thing. Oh yeah. Um, but it takes so much strength, mm-hmm. courage, and hope. To start expecting things to go well. Yes. And I don't think I've heard much talk about that in the recovery Mm. world as far as like what happens when your therapy starts working? (laughs) What happens when you are doing the hard work of sitting in circles that are safe and vulnerable and revealing and you start to listen and change and make adjustments to your relationships and your behavior there's just a whole different world of recovery yeah. of, of different things that you should be looking for, like relapse things. Yeah. Like, you know, I know. I remember my therapist being like, so you were doing something that was working <laughs> and then you decided to stop doing the thing that was working. And tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, and then, and you expected like fill in the blank, uh-huh. you know? So it's like when you're doing what's working, you don't stop doing what's working exactly but you think you you know i've done i've done this it's been hard enough i'm good i'm gonna go Mm -hmm. back to an old way and then it just doesn't work the same anymore exactly yeah but like yeah just the awareness that that happens and that our bodies what even is happening in our brain like you said of that oh my gosh we're dead and (laughs) now we're gonna you know yeah we just react out of that yeah um even the awareness is such a huge piece of just knowing kind of it's like it's like taking a journey and having a, tu- you know, like a, a travel guide with mm-hmm. you. Of like, here's kind of some of the places you should look out for or yeah. be aware of. And um, I just think that's what's beautiful about a recovery community yes. is we're all circling around one another and saying, um, you're doing great. Yeah. And this is going to be worth it. Yes. But here are a few tricky areas to be on the lookout for. Right. And we're going to be here when you hit those. Right. You know, and we're going to surround you and share our experiences and, and our strength and our joy and our hope with you. Yeah. Um. So you're not alone. Yeah. And I, 
I think, you know, with that relapse, reinforcing your own helplessness mm. within like lack of control, that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, you start to learn by doing the right things that you do have more control than you thought you did. It's so true. And you're more empowered. And that's scary too, because yeah. at this point you're barely trusting yourself and then you realize you have control and power. So then it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I relinquish it. Take it away from me. I don't want it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be big. I want to be small, you right. know, and, and having those people support you and, and build you up and tell you you're doing the right thing and you're on the right path. It was really important. Critical. Yes. Huge. Critical. I mean, it's incredible. Sometimes I feel like in my job, if I just like let that person know that they're a good mother and they're doing the right thing. Like, I feel like I've like, I can see in their eyes that that means more to them than like probably all the tricky uh -huh. stuff that I've been trying to do earlier. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that one piece mm -hmm. seems to mean so much mm -hmm. when you tell someone you're like, you're really doing a very good job. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be, more important than a lot of things i would agree yeah yeah i feels really good when someone tells me that like looks mm -hmm. me in the eyeballs and mm -hmm. says you are not the sum of your behavior yeah. but you are a whole person yes that matters more than what you're currently struggling mm -hmm. with you're bigger than your struggles right and your love despite your struggles right um and i think that I agree is yeah. some of the most powerful tools we have as humans to offer other humans Yeah, is, you know, I see you, I value you, I love you, Yeah, you know, and you're going to get through this. Right. Keep doing the good things, mm -hmm. like keep doing what you're already doing because you're on a healthy path. Exactly. For sure. Thank you so much for listening to this important conversation with my friend, Katie Woodruff. I hope it provided some helpful information about trauma and the hope we have for healing. If you would like to learn more about Homes and Havens, please visit our website, homesandhavens.org.